0: In my talk today, one of the things we'll be talking about is how God's Word is like a sword, and how it's like seeds, and how it's like snow. So I brought a sword, and I brought some seeds, but I didn't bring any snow, because I didn't have to, because it's, um, it's everywhere in Saskatchewan. I guess you could say it's ubiquitous. Do you guys know what ubiquitous means? It means it's everywhere. It's just one of my favorite fancy words. So anyway, I'm going to wear my sword for this talk, and, uh, uh, and, and you'll see why later. But it's just I just thought it looked good, and I kind of like wearing it, so I had to get an excuse to wear a sword. How, it's got my back. Yeah, it's got my back. Actually, I was kind of scared maybe it wouldn't fit, but it fits pretty well with this chair here. So ah, Right on. Okay, so... Um, when, right before Yeshua went back to his father... And he said, I'll be back. He gave us as his followers a mission. He said, go into all the world. Not just in Israel, but go into all the world and tell everybody the good news about me. Preach the gospel. And make disciples out of people. Help them to become followers too. That's basically our mission, right? And for the last several weeks, we've been talking about the power of telling the stories from God's Word, word of mouth. So, you know, when you just sit down with someone and you tell them one of the stories from the Word of God, just word of mouth, like, uh, maybe over the kitchen table, or maybe while you're on a jog, or even when we gather as a community. And uh, do you guys remember, maybe we'll just do a quick little review of the talks that we've we've gone through so far. Um, In the first one, we talked about Adam and Eve, and how they basically started a tribe that rested every seven days. They did Shabbat. And they told the stories about how God made the world, about how why there's evil in the world. All of these stories that answer the big questions that is on everybody's minds. And that was how we got all those early... Um, stories in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. They were told word of mouth for generation after generation until finally the prophet Moses wrote them down like 2,500 years later. 2,500 years into world history. So that was our first talk. Um, do you remember the second talk with the little blue people? In that talk, we talked about a problem. The problem is about half of the people in North America are non-literate. And what that means, it doesn't mean that they can't read, it means that they don't read. It's not their favorite way of learning. So, a lot of people, they'll, you know, you have to read some books in high school, you have to read some books maybe in college, and then after you're out of college you never read another book. But it doesn't mean you're not learning, it just means you learn from, maybe from watching uh, TV, or listening to the radio, or talking with your friends. So instead of learning in literate ways by reading, you learn in more oral ways by just talking with people, Right? And we talked about how very often we as disciples of Yeshua, we get very bookish, we uh, get very literate, and that's good, but we're missing out on how to talk to half of the people in North America about God, and how how to help them become better followers, right? So that was our second talk. Third talk was the one where I brought a novel, and I tore a bunch of pages out of it. Do you remember that? And do you remember what the lesson was from that one? Yes, that's right. Um, when you look at the Bible, it's the story of God and humanity. And it's a, when, you, when you really break it down, it's a whole bunch of stories about all of these people through history that had a relationship with God. And remember, I tore a bunch of pages out of the novel, and I said, okay, here's a little half a page for you, here's half a page for you, here's a bit for you, tell me the story. And none of you could figure out the story, right? Because you didn't have the whole book. You didn't, you didn't read the whole story. And so the point there was... We don't, when, you know, when we're, when we're, um, when we're studying God's Word, when we're talking about it, we don't want to just tear little verses out of context. We want to say, okay, here's a verse in the Bible, but what is the story behind this verse? Who wrote this book in the Bible? Uh, who is this written to? What was going on there? Right? So we don't want to, you know, Frankenstein, right? It's like you take all of these body parts and you sew them together, together and then you zap it and you get this ugly monster. And sometimes we do that with the Bible. We we take a verse here and we take a verse there and then we store them all together and it gets kind of scary actually. So that's why in our community we don't just read a little verse here and we read a little verse there. We we sit down and we read a chapter or several chapters of the Bible at a time and we say, What's the story here? Right? Trying to get the big picture. So that was the third talk. And then fourth talk was last week. Do you remember what that was about? It was about making God's word sticky. Very often, it's like we'll read something in God's Word, or we'll hear something, and then an hour later, it's like, "Doh, doh! I can't remember what was that again." And and the point is, how can we how can we make God's Word sticky so that it sticks in our brain, so that we remember it, so that it changes our lives? And we talked about um. Actually, I'm going to get back to that a little bit a little bit more later because I want to review that one. But that's the basic idea. So those were some problems that we looked at. We looked at the problem of non-literacy. We looked at the problem of tearing God's word out of context. And we looked at the problem of just forgetting it. It's just not sticking, right? We're going to look at another problem this week. And we're going to look at a solution, alright? So the problem this week is, remember how I said, you know, Yeshua gave us this mission to tell everybody about the good news about Him and, and make more disciples for Him, that kind of thing. And you know what, quite, quite frankly, sometimes, um, sometimes we don't do that. Okay, and now listen, some of us come from evangelical churches where we kind of had this evangelical guilt trip Like it's like it all depends on you to tell your neighbor the four spiritual laws or they're going to hell And you're going to be the one responsible for it How many of you kind of heard that kind of thing? And the result is sometimes people use guilt trips like that And then you're like, oh no, I have to talk to someone about Jesus Because I feel guilty and it's just—it's it, not like you actually are telling anybody about Jesus because you care about that person, or because you have a friendship with that person, or because they trust you. You're just telling them because you need to tell somebody about Jesus to get this load of guilt off your back. Uh, unfortunately, that sometimes happens. And we don't want to do that, right? But I think it, I think it is true that very, very often a week will go by in most of our lives where we won't actually talk to anyone about God and and, and the, the the wonderful things that he has done and and the the good stuff that he's offered to Yeshua. And I think there are a couple of reasons for that. Here here are three reasons that three reasons that I uh, that I uh, that I was able to figure out. I think a big one is sometimes I'll just speak for myself. I haven't known how. I've been mean, like, yeah, I want to bring God into my conversations. I want to talk about what Yeshua has done for me in my life, but quite frankly, I just I don't feel like I know how. And so it just doesn't happen. So I think that's the number one reason, is just we often don't feel like we know how. Um, I think another another big reason, number two, is we expect the professionals to do it instead. For example, uh, we had a big crusade this last summer in PA, and I think it was fantastic. I mean, it was neat. They brought in a big evangelist, and he they brought him in to tell people about Jesus, to talk about God. And that's cool. But sometimes when that happens, we start to think, oh... Here's this big evangelist, and he's a professional. He really knows what he's doing. He knows how to tell people about Jesus. So I'll just bring my friends to this big crusade, and I'll let the evangelist do it for me. Because he's probably better at it than me. He's really smooth. Sometimes we begin to think that way. Or we think, well, you know what, we have a pastor, or a couple of pastors on staff, and this is their job, I mean, they're paid to do this, why can't they tell the world about Jesus? And as a result, we just expect them to do it, instead of us, right? Sometimes that happens. That's probably what I would think of as the second reason. Um, the third reason that I can think of why sometimes we don't do that is... Um, sometimes I think we just kind of live in a little religious bubble. We live like in a little clique of people that are just like us. And we don't spend a lot of time with people that don't think like us. So if you, if you know somebody who's maybe an atheist or an agnostic or uh, gay... Or something really different than you. Maybe you would just be like, "Why would I call that person up and have them over? Why would I go out for coffee with that person? They're not like me." You know, maybe, uh, maybe we'd get talking about things where we disagree, and I wouldn't know what to say. So I can't be friends with that person. Sometimes we, sometimes we, uh, as as followers of Yeshua, we we think like that. Hey, uh, sometimes I don't think we're very intentional about building friendships with non-religious people or people that aren't like us, and the result is we can cruise through our whole week and at the end of the week we all of a sudden realize, wow, I just went through the whole week and I didn't have one conversation with a non-religious person. I didn't have one meaningful exchange with someone who doesn't think like me. So I, I think quite frankly, that's another big reason why very often we, we fail to do what Yeshua called us to do, what He sent us in the world to do. We just don't, we don't end up talking about God and sharing His good news because we don't have friends that we would do that with out. And you know what? That's been me for a lot of my life. And since moving to Prince Albert, I've really been trying to restructure my priorities, uh, like shake up my social circles, that kind of thing. So those are three reasons that I can think of. We just don't know how. We expect the professionals to do it. Or we're just not being intentional about having those friendships where we could do it. So um, here, here is one way I think that's really simple that can help us And again, this isn't a guilt trip, right? This is just like, I think we all do want to share what Yeshua has done for us. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of us are doing that, but maybe we want to do it more. And this is just going to be a talk where I give some practical ideas or tools for doing that. I think a really big one that we've been out of touch with is just learning to tell the stories from God's Word, Word of Love. Surprise! That's what I've been talking about for like five weeks, right? So I'm going to talk about it some more. But really, I'm excited about this. I think it's a really powerful way to, to bring God into conversations and to get opportunities to share what Jesus has done for us. Um, think about this with me for a moment. When you look at the stories in the scriptures, those aren't just stories. Those are That's God's Word. And I want to look with you at four passages in God's Word where God talks about God's Word. Where He says, this is what my Word is like. And as we do that, I want you to think about this. When God says, this is what my Word is like, what He's also saying is, this is what the stories in my Word are like. Did you get that? Sometimes when we think about the stories in God's Word, we think, ah, stories are for kids. They're shallow. They're... They're just so obvious. Why would I really get excited about that? But when we do that, we forget that this is God's Word we're talking about. God's Word is deep. God's Word is powerful. God's Word is forever. God's Word is what changes people's lives. And God's Word has a lot of stories in it that can do that. So we're going to look at a couple scriptures about that. Um, the first one is um, Yeshua's Apostle Paul. He, he he wrote a letter to a bunch of Followers of Jesus in the city of Rome. And, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's like the epistle to the Romans in your Bible, right? And in the first chapter, this is what he said. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Now, what, what's the gospel? Good news. Yeah, the gospel means good news, right? So he said, like, I'm not embarrassed of the good news about the Messiah. How come? Because it's God's power to save everybody who believes it. So did you hear that? Paul said the gospel Like the good news from God That we find in his word That has the power to save anybody who believes it So think about that for a second Like how is somebody saved? How does God save somebody and change their life? And and, and make them someone who can affect the world in a positive way This is how it happens You're sitting there going along through life And you hear something you hear something from God, from God's word, and you say, that's true, and I didn't believe that up until now, but I believe that now, and I'm going to let it change, change the way I think, and change the way I do my life. And when we do that, God comes in, and God saves us, and He changes us. So you can kind of see the mechanics of that, hey? So, it's like, when someone believes God's word, God begins to transform that person. And here's the kicker, when someone hears even one of the stories from God's word and that person says, yes, I believe that, it's not like just something that happens in their brain but they're opening the door to God and God comes into their life and He begins to change them. Right? So can you see how telling the stories from God's word is powerful to change individuals and to like eventually transform society, to flip a culture? The power in the stories of God's word can do that. So, let me ask you something along those lines. What is our job, and what is His job? This is how I would see it. Our job is to preach the gospel. Right? Tell people about the good news. Um, Communicate God's word in conversations. That kind of thing. And then, what is God's job? His job is pretty much to do everything else, right? He draws people to himself. He convinces people of his truth. And he comes in and he, he changes people. So can you hear that? Like sometimes you'd be like, man, like telling a story from God's word, that's not a very powerful thing. I don't think I'm going to change the world doing that. I don't think that could transform a culture. But that's because you're thinking about what you could do. See, the question is, what can he do? So we do our little bit, and then he just goes boom, and he does the, right, the rest, eh? No that that really encourages me. Um in the book of you know Luke, Luke was um a guy who wrote two books about Yeshua. The first book was about Yeshua and his birth and uh, his teachings and how he was crucified and raised from the dead. And then and then his second book he talked about how Yeshua went up into heaven and he started a movement of followers and they went all over the world, right? So anyway, in Luke's second book, it's called the Acts of the Apostles. Um he he said something that Yeshua said to his followers. He said, "You guys are my witnesses." What does that mean? Hey, actually, we we read that last Sunday. Remember that when Yeshua was like he, just before he went up into heaven, he was like, "You guys are my witnesses," and we were talking about what that means to be a witness for him, right? And um, here's here's a little insight into that. Um, you remember in the Gospel of John, chapter eleven, uh, Yeshua went down to Jerusalem, and there was a guy there that was a close friend of his, and that named um, named Lazarus. And Lazarus had died, and he was buried for four days. Okay, so he was six feet under for four days. Except that they didn't put people six feet under them. They put them in a cave and put a big rock in front of the cave, right? And anyway, so he was dead and buried and he stunk by that point. And in the story, like, Yeshua comes and he raises him from the dead. He brings him back to life. And I mean, can you just imagine when this dead guy came out of the tomb, how people reacted, like, jaws were dropping, women were fainting, someone probably peed their pants. Like, do you know what I mean? It was just like, ah! because like dead people don't come back to life especially after four days that's pretty freaky but it happened okay and then guess what it says it was like in the suburbs of Jerusalem a little town on the edge everybody went back to Jerusalem and it says they testified of Yeshua what does that mean like people went and set up some little soap boxes and started preaching no like what would you do if you were at a funeral and like somebody brought the guy back to life that was dead like what would you talk about for the next several weeks you would just talk about like what you saw and what, what, what happened, right? That's what it means to be a witness of Yeshua. It just means to talk about Him. It means, just like those people tell the story about how Yeshua raised Lazarus from the dead, we get to tell what? Stories. We get to tell the stories about Him. That's witnessing of Him. And guess what? When we do that... He like, he's, like, he's like, I'm going to back you up with that. I'm going, to, I'm going to prove that what you're saying is true. I'm going to touch people's hearts. I'm going to draw them to myself. I'm going to change the people that you tell my stories to. That's the kind of idea, eh? So, here are a couple scriptures about what God says that His Word, which includes the stories from His Word, are like. Um, here's the first one. I get to pull this up, if I can find it. What's this? Yeah, it's a machete. Let's say that it's a sword just for, yeah. Let's say it's a sword just for conversation's sake, okay? So this is something that God says in his word. This is um there was a letter that was written to the early Jewish believers in Yeshua, and it's usually called the Epistle to the Hebrews. And in there, it says God's word is three things. Count them on your fingers with me. God's word is alive. Everyone say alive? Okay. God's word is living. It is uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. What, okay, let's just think about that for a sec. What does it mean that God's word is alive? Have you ever read something that was really dead? Like ho hum boring? Yeah, okay, yeah. When you just think about something that's alive to you though, it's like something that, that leaps off the page. Something that really gets you. Some, something that maybe makes you feel alive. So anyway, God's Word is alive. God's Word is active. What would that mean? Like God's Word is active. Is action involved? It, when you are active, what does that mean? It means you're doing stuff. That's right. You're in motion, right? So God says, my Word is It's doing stuff. It's in motion. And then finally the third thing it says is God's word is sharp. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. So I don't I don't have any like really cool two-edged swords. The closest thing I have is a, a one-edged machete, but I hope it kind of gives us it gives us an idea. So God says, "My word is sharp." What does that mean? Kind of sounds scary, doesn't it? It cuts. It cuts? Takes down. You can destroy. <laughs> you can destroy. Didn't cut a head off. <laughs> it's kind of fun to imagine just thinking through this together, trying to figure out what this means. It can be precise. It can be precise. That's interesting. It can defend. It can defend. Okay. Yeah. It can attack as well as defend. It can attack as well as defend. Yeah. So all of these things that we're thinking about that are true of God's Word in general, it means it's also true when we tell one of the stories from His Word. Isn't that interesting? When you tell a story from His Word, that thing's alive. That thing's jumping off the page, you can see. Um, what's that? You can also clear the bush because the bush is obscured you. And it can clear a path through the bush. Yeah, you can clear a path through the bush. Especially if you have a machete. That's perfect for hacking. i gotta, I got to go to the bush sometime and just spend some time hacking with this thing. I haven't done that yet but I have to make sure I go real far in the bush where no one can see me I'm not going to go around doing that at Village Green or somewhere I can promise that much yeah but um okay so and, so that's the first one and then when we when we tell the stories from God's word they're active they do stuff they're in motion isn't that interesting and then the third one is the stories from God's word are sharp and that kind of sounds scary but think about it like this have you ever been had a conversation with someone when you just didn't feel like you were getting through to them where like, they were sitting there and they were looking at you, but you could tell you were just not getting through to the person. And you know what? Sometimes that happens with with God too. God wants to get through to people, but it's like, you can tell he's just not getting through to the person. It's why there are criminals. And But this is what this verse says. It says like, if you, it's almost like, if you could just chop through all of the junk, to get through, to reach someone's heart, to really get their attention, to like touch them with, with love, That's what God's Word does. That's what I think of when I think of God's Word sharp like a sword. I think of it like, if you really want to... Like, let's say someone has these massive defenses built up. They've been really hurt in the past. And they just have these huge walls and they're living behind this hedge. It's like, God's Word has the power to cut through all that stuff and to really touch someone's heart with His love. And guess what that means? That means when you tell one of the stories from His Word... That has the power to cut through all the clutter, to like chop through the junk, and to reach someone's heart with his love. Can, can you see that? That's what he says happens with his word, not what I say. So I think that's pretty sweet. Um, that's the first thing he says. Um, the second thing he says is that his word, which means the stories from his word, are like, do you guys mind if I just wear this for the rest of my talk, because I don't often get to wear a Mercedes? <laughs> I'm just gonna wear this all over the place. It feels awesome. I feel like I'm in a film. Anyway, um, okay, the, 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 the second thing is he says that his word is like, is like snow. Now, this is a really meaningful one, right? Because we have tons of snow. Um, like, we, we lived for quite a while in the Blaine Lake area on my grandpa's farm. And for any of you who have come from a farming background, you know that the farmers watch how much snow falls during the winter. Why? Because if you get a nice snowfall, the ground will be moist in the spring, and you can put the crop in, and you'll get good growth. What happens if you get very little snow over the winter time? The ground is dry in the spring, and you could have your whole crop fail if you put it in. And grasshoppers could happen, right? And, and, and so this is, this is something that was written in one of the prophets of Israel. Like about 2700 years ago, a guy named Isaiah, or Yeshayahu in Hebrew, and um, he's like speaking for God. And this is what God says in the book of Isaiah. This is like chapter 55, verses 10 and 11. He says, Just like the rain and the snow, come down from heaven and don't return there without watering the earth and making it barren sprout, and furnishing seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It won't return to me empty, without accomplishing what I desire, and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. So that's a very cool thought. Let's just let's let's break that down for a second. God says, just like when when rain and snow come down, uh, what do they do? They water the earth, they enable it to sprout, you know, let's say the crops for the farmer in the springtime. And then and then people can eat as a result and uh the the cro- the farmers can get more seed so they can put the next crop in. Just like rain and snow come down and they do that before they go back up and evaporate, that's a picture of my word. He says, when when my word, when I send my word, it doesn't go back up pointless. It does, it doesn't do nothing. It it does what I want it to do. It accomplishes what I send it to do. That's what God says. So that's true of the stories in His Word also. So when you tell one of God's stories to a friend or a family member or a neighbor or whoever, God's going to do what He wants to do through that story. But it's not going to do nothing. That's what He says. Right? So that's pretty That's pretty sweet. And then the third thing that God says His Word is like, is like seeds. And I... Uh, I brought some of Genevieve's seeds packets, so I'll, you guys can all take a seed packet just to, just to look at and hold during this part. Which one, which one would you like, Herb? Just a second. Um, should, I want to put this in my mouth, but I don't... Okay. <laughs> which one would you like, Herb? Do you want some cucumbers or some tomatoes? Uh, tomatoes, are good. tomatoes. okay, cool. Yeah, what seeds would you like, Teresa? That one? Okay, cool. Which one would you like, Genevieve? I'll have the There's so many to choose from, eh? Hey? Okay. I'd like Swiss chard. Oh, yeah, Swiss chard. Which one would you like, Charlotte? Gosh. <laughs> Wait, what's this here? Um, what is that? No, I'll take the basil. you take the basil, okay. How about you, Gino? Can we keep these? Well, they're Genevieve, so I don't think I'm going to give them away. <laughs> Which one would you like? Gardner? doesn't matter. All right, cool. <laughs> I don't know, personally, like, I, I don't really do any gardening, although I used to do a lot of weeding in my grandparents' garden, because it was huge. But, um, but I like seeds, like, I just find little packets of seeds so fascinating. They're tiny, but they're just neat. Like, they have so much potential. You could put these things in the dirt next springtime, and they grew a bunch of plants that you can eat. Isn't that cool? And um, Yeshua told a story in the Gospel of Mark about that and in this story there's this um, like this farmer and he's putting all the seeds in the ground and then they grow up to make a big crop and then Yeshua um, this is in Mark chapter 4 verse 14 he says that's a picture of God's word just like you put little seeds in the ground and they disappear and you're like, ah, oh, maybe they're gone maybe they're dead who knows what's going to happen and then all of a sudden they just pop up overnight and they grow into this big crop that people can eat and live off of that's like God's word so it's like when you read His Word, or when you tell someone a story from His Word, that's like you're taking seeds and you're sprinkling them into yourself. And they're going to go deep inside of the dirt of you, and they're going to grow up, and they're going to make a big crop, and then, and then it'll be life-giving for people. It's kind of the idea, right? See, can, you, can you see what that also says, though? When you tell a story from God's Word, that's a seed and it goes into someone's ears and it goes into their mind and it goes deep into their psyche and it, and it will come back later. It will come back later and make a difference in their lives because that's what he says. Ah, not in everyone's lives though. If you want to be really precise then maybe like one out of every four people it'll really register and make a difference. So don't be afraid of failure and getting rejected sometimes. But anyway, that's what he says. So just, just think about that. You know, that whole question of what's my job and then what is his job? My job is just to keep sprinkling those seeds out there, just keep throwing the seeds. And what's his job? Everything else, right? Everything else. He does all the rest. So, I just, I just encourage you with that, that it's, it's very simple. So, you know, for some of us, we're like, man, you know, I, I how can I do this? I'm, I'm discouraged, I... I don't think talking about God's Word to someone's really going to change the world and make much difference, or what if they reject me, or what if, it, what if it fails, or what if it's awkward, you know, or I don't really know what to say. I would say just on a really simple level, just be encouraged that God says His Word is like a sword that cuts through the clutter, that reaches people's hearts. God says His Word, um, well He also says it's alive and active. That's pretty fantastic. But then He also says it's like snow and rain that comes down and it makes a difference. And God's word is like seeds. They go into the ground and they come back later and they make a difference. And that's true when you tell one of his stories. So don't think lightly about telling his stories. Because that's his word. Right? Um, I just want to finish this little talk by uh, reading you a story about a guy who really got into telling the stories from the word of God um, word of mouth. And this is, in a, this is in the book Truth That Sticks by Avery T. Willis Jr. It says, um, I'll read you this little story. It's about a cow- cowboy church. Um, one of the delightful discoveries in our dis- adventures with storying is that people who learn Bible stories pass them on. Randy Proctor was trained in storying by the Great Commission Initiative Group in Texas. He immediately put Bible storying to work the next week when he spoke to a five-week-old cowboy church in Oklahoma. How many of you guys have been to a cowboy church? they're pretty cool I don't think I've been to one but I have friends who are involved in getting one going in North Battleford I've been to a biker church maybe that's a little kind of similar almost but anyway Randy told the Red Sea crossing story from Exodus as the cowboys and their families listened so get this he didn't even tell a story from the Gospels he told a story from the Old Testament at a church he told a story from the Old Testament this is what he says first I told this story as I had been taught Simply and unembellished, he recounted. Then he asked several questions about the story. Randy had to encourage the people to answer out loud. Something new for them in church during the preaching time. You know, he asked about ten questions. Most of the time, Randy got only brief answers, but he didn't push things. He relied on the Holy Spirit to move among the people who were considering what the crossing of the Red Sea meant to their lives. Who was holding them in bondage? What was pursuing them? Who was their... Pharaoh, who was their only hope of salvation. So you can hear the kinds of questions that he asked to get them thinking, to get their minds open to the Holy Spirit after telling a simple story from God's word. Randy was slowly guiding them to a very special point. He finally had everyone stand up. Quote, I asked them if they would surrender to God, asking him to deal with the Pharaoh in their lives, Randy said. I asked them to step to the front in response. Well, I lost count after 15 stepped forward. Randy asked if anyone would trust in Jesus to safely guide his or her life for all time. Before I could finish the sentence, he said, a woman in the back started waving both hands, mouthing, I will, I will. I asked, are there others? Two more hands shot into the air. I asked, are you also trusting Christ as Savior? And they said, yes, yes. Randy was amazed at how God had used this Bible story to bring people to faith in Christ. Afterward, one man spoke to him at the door and said, Clearest Bible message I've ever heard in my life. So that's a very powerful story about, what's this guy's name? Randy Proctor speaking to a new cowboy church in Texas. What did he do? He did something that every one of us in this room can do. He told the story about how the people of Israel got out of Egypt and went through the Red Sea. And then he asked some simple questions. And did Randy do the job or did God do the job through the power of His Spirit? Right, Randy just did his little bit. He just told the story. He just asked a couple questions to get people thinking. And God God spoke to people. God moved in people's lives. And that what excites me about that is that is something, for, for those of us who would say, you know what, I don't know how to share with people. Now you do. For those of us who would say, you know what, I think only a professional could share. Well, now you know that's not true. And, and for those of us you know what the big challenge might be for us for some of us it's like yeah okay cool I could do that but some of us just don't have a lot of friendships with non-religious people people that don't know Yeshua what I would say is the big challenge for you might be to say God how do you want me to get out of my comfort zone how do you want me to maybe change who I spend time with so I can kind of make some new friends that don't think like me the kinds of people that maybe have never heard the stories from your word so that I can get a chance to tell them, right? That is the part that will take intentionality on your part. You've got to say, you know what? My life is so full with social engagements with other believers, I need to cut some of it so I can hang out with people who don't know God yet. Right? Make, make that top priority. And then maybe you'll get some chances to tell us stories, eh? Actually, that's something where I think, Misty, like, you're, you're in a really awesome place. Because very often, like, Christians get to a point where they, they're only friends with other Christians. And then they don't really affect the world, you know? So, like, for, for you, like, as a new follower of Jesus, to be able to, like... You have tons of friends who don't know God, right? You don't believe in Him, I'm sure, yeah. So, you know, here's the thing, though. Very often, like... the like, um, I don't know, like, we as God's people will take people like you and we'll kind of suck you into our religious subculture so you only end up hanging out with other Christians, right? And I think that's that's too bad because you have all these friends that God wants you to stay friends with, you know? And so, I don't know, just make sure you, like, stay friends with... All those non-Christians in your life, you know, because God wants to show them His love through you and kind of talk through you to them, you know, so, instead of like you just getting pulled out of that, out of all your friendships that you have right now. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I, some of those friends will like influence you in directions you don't want to go or whatever too, you know, so you got to be careful about stuff like that, but How yeah. But, you know, you, you look at it from the perspective of someone who doesn't believe in Jesus, and you have a really close friend, and then this really close friend of yours comes to believe in Jesus, and all of a sudden this really close friend of yours, is like, they just don't want to hang out anymore. And it's like, ow, it's like Jesus took my friend away. I don't know if I like this guy. So I'll just give you a really quick summary of last week, the talk that I accidentally didn't film. Um, The third problem in these problems we've been talking about is how often we hear God's word like from a teacher or something, and then we forget it the next day. Or it just doesn't really stick in our minds and change us. right? Um, I I mentioned that survey that the Barna Group did in 2008, where they discovered that approximately half of the people in the United States who claim to be Christians, they believe whacked out stuff. Like they believe that Satan doesn't exist, uh, Jesus sinned, the Holy Spirit isn't real, and then about a third of the people who say they're Christians say, "Yeah, the Bible is true, and so is the Quran and the Book of Mormon," right? Like, little disconnect there. Just, there's some there's some illogical there's there's some illogical stuff happening there, right? And so it's the question of like, how do you get God's truth to stick? And that's that's a big question. Um, we talked to about just how like every one of us as we go throughout the day, like we have so many voices coming at us from every direction. It's like everything is preaching at us, like. The radio, like, is preaching at us. Power 99 FM is preaching at us. When you think about it, there are messages being sent through every song, right? And it's really hard sometimes, like, God wants to get our attention. It's like He, but like, okay, marketers use the term punching through the clutter. Because there's so many people that w- everything wants to get someone's attention. And we just learn to tune most of it out. Advertising, advertising, just tune it out, right? And sometimes we end up tuning the good voices too, like God's voice. So marketers say, you gotta try and punch through the clutter. And that's the big question for us. How do we punch through the clutter to reach people? Um, Malcolm Gladwell, in his book, The Tipping Point, he said, it's by making it sticky. How do you make something, an idea sticky so that it sticks in someone's mind, so that it'll, it'll stay with them, they'll remember it, right? Um, I think the entertainment industry does the best job of doing that because, because they create films and they tell stories that are very sticky. They stick in our minds, we talk about them with our friends, and they change our worldviews. They change the way we think and do life. They change what we think is normal, right? So here's the question. How can we be smart like the entertainment industry? Remember Yeshua? He, he told this story about a dishonest manager. And then he said, that guy was smarter than you guys, basically. He said, the sons of this world are more cunning than the sons of light. Basically, he was saying, I want you to be, str- I want you to be smart too. I want you to be cunning. I want you to think strategically. So, you know, how can we do that? How can... How, how can we make God's word sticky? How can we make Yeshua's message sticky? And um, here's, here's the conclusion for you. How, how is this for doing like a really sweet condensed version of my talk last week? Here's the conclusion. It's actually from a professor at Stanford and a researcher at Harvard who are brothers, uh, Chip and Dan Heath. They tackled that question. Why do we remember some things and we don't remember other things? And here's what they said what you are most likely to remember are stories and then they made an acronym the acronym is SUCCESS the acronym is success for the kinds of stories that we remember sticky stories he said they're, they're simple unexpected concrete credible emotional stories yes there's only one S in success there but basically, I'm not going to break down all of those, but for those of you who are just listening to this talk online or whatever, just, just ask yourself that. How can you tell the stories from God's Word, word of mouth, in ways that are simple, that are unexpected, that are concrete, that are credible, and that are emotional? Because that is what is going to stick in people's minds. If we want to change the culture, if we want to get God's Word to actually stick, like, like the media does such a great job doing, that's going to help. So there's some wisdom for you from Chip and Dan Heath. And then I finished that talk by reading a story from um, Truth That Sticks. It's a pretty short story. Can I read it again to you guys? About the little boy who didn't look like he was paying attention but then he totally floored his grandpa. Yeah, let's, let's read that short story one more time and that'll be the last thing I do for this talk here. Um. All right. So they say, this is what, this is the story. In a home group at Real Life Ministries, the leader told the story about Jesus asking Peter to launch out into the deep water and then to follow him and catch men. During the interactive dialogue, the leader asked the members what they would be doing if they had been at the Sea of Galilee the day Jesus got into Peter's boat. An eight-year-old boy who was there with his grandfather said, I'd be skipping rocks. But he listened intently to the story and the entire dialogue. When they got home, the boy arranged three chairs in his upstairs room and called, Grandpa, come up to my room. I have something to tell you. He told him the story just as he'd heard it and then imitated the leader and asked, What do we learn about God in this story? What do we learn about people? What should we do because of this story? This kid asked his grandpa this. His grandfather noticed how the room was set up and asked, What is this other chair for? The boy responded, I'm going to learn another story next week and I think I have friends who'd like to hear my stories. So there's a there's a boy where that story stuck, and he was going to get it to stick on some more people too. Sweet, eh? Thank you for joining us in this message. I pray that it's been an inspiration to you and your discipleship to Yeshua the Messiah. Crown of Messiah is a relatively small congregation with a massive mission. We're not just making disciples and teaching the Word of God here in our city. We're also doing that internationally through vehicles such as the internet. It is our joy to offer you these messages for free, at absolutely no charge. At the same time, we do have ongoing overhead expenses. It costs us something to produce these teachings and get them out to you. And we would appreciate it if you would, in turn, support our work in a practical way. Help us cover some of our basic expenses. You can do that by going to our website, crownofmessiah.com. And going to the donate page, where you can make a one time donation or you can set up a monthly automated donation. I'm reminded. Of- Salome, I'm Izzy Avraham, and thank you for joining me for this talk. I delivered these messages live during the years I was leading a congregation. They're now hosted by my Hebrew school, Holy Language Institute, at holylanguage.com. If you're interested in the talks I've done since then, or if you'd just like to say thank you for these teachings, become a member at holylanguage.com.